hauling Just look at the load I'm hauling Hard work, I hit it harder Ain't nothing new for a backwoods farmer Sun up to sundown Backing up traffic all the way to town Camo hat and a farmer's tan Welcome to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group, your innovative consumer resource and marketing partner of choice for the evolving agricultural community. Now, here's your host, Brent Adams. Well, welcome to another episode of Fast Line Fast Track. It's great to have you with us. On this episode, Roy Johnson with John Deere dealer AHW talks about how the dealership has navigated COVID-19 and how the company's online presence has been a big boon the past few months. Then we'll hear from Laurel Case with John Deere about how the manufacturer is gearing up for virtual farm shows. We'll bring you another installment of Ray Bohax's Bushels and Scents. We have the second part of our conversation with Corn Warrior Season 4 competitor Eric Reed. And we'll bring you a discussion with country music legend John Barry. You won't want to miss a moment of this show. Let's go. Well, first up this week on the program, agriculture has kept motoring on through the pandemic, and that means equipment dealers have had to stay on top of their game and find ways to adapt. And we wanted to bring in Roy Johnson, the corporate parts manager with AHW, which has a 16-store John Deere dealership operation in Illinois and Indiana that's continued to operate at full strength throughout the past few months. And Roy, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Yes, thank you for having me. So while COVID's had much of the country disrupted in one way or another, the John Deere supply line at AHW is operating at normal levels, and you have a 98% fill rate to dealers, which is important as we head into harvest here in many parts of the country. Yes, it is. We've had a lot of questions from customers on how John Deere was going to be able to supply us so we could supply our customers. And thankfully, uh, John Deere had a tremendous amount of inventory in their warehouses, and that in turn has been able to allow us to supply our customers almost uninterrupted parts supply. Uh, We did have a few minor parts along the way that due to supplier issues from John Deere suppliers, we could have run low or run out. But yes, John Deere has had tremendous support so far. Uh, The last I knew, as of two weeks ago, 99% of the vendors that John Deere deals with were fully functional. And uh, that being said, left us with no issues. Well, you mentioned inventory, and now is a great time for folks to check out AHW because you've got a great amount of inventory and you're ready to deal. Yes. Uh, right now, through uh, August, getting ready for the harvest season, uh, we have some specials going on. We have a John Deere Harvest Parts catalog with many special prices in it. Uh, we have some special redemption programs where John Deere offers coupons to customers to get discounts off of uh, attachments for lawn equipment and some home maintenance kits if they want to service them throughout the year. Um, And we have our own specials going on at the stores as well. The filter sale, uh, we're offering packaged oil at discounted prices, trying to help everybody get stocked up and get themselves ready for the harvest season. And even though each of your brick and mortar locations are open for business, your website, ahwonline.com, has been an invaluable resource for the folks who either don't want to go there in person or just simply too busy to get out and go in person. And uh, that kind of gives you guys a, a presence uh, open 24 7, 365. Yes, that is correct. Uh, this is. It's called a dealer customer portal. It's something that John Deere has been making a big push on over the last couple of years to help the dealers get more connected to their local customers. 
and with the pandemic uh, that happened this spring, uh, it did become an invaluable tool for us. As as you mentioned, many customers uh, not looking to venture out any more than they had to. And with this, they were able to look at their own account with us. They were able to not only get on the system anytime they want, which happens many times in the evening after normal business hours, they're able to get on, they're able to look at their account, uh, they're able to look up their own parts if they so choose, and they're even able to see our inventory of the parts they might need. Uh, works out very well for customers, especially if they're trying to make a decision on whether they even want to go to the store. They can look, they can put the part in their shopping cart, and it tells them how many we have. If they're needing one or two and it shows we have 10 of them, uh, a lot of times they'll just put that in their shopping cart and check out. Uh, the nice thing is as soon as they check out, it creates a ticket for us on our side. We can walk in in the morning. We can look and say, hey, we had a couple customers place orders. We can proceed to pull those parts. Uh, they're even able to choose their own payment method, which many of our customers use John Deere Financial, and we're able to charge it to their account. We can write their name on the bag. We can set it outside the front door. If they want to not even have to step foot in the store, there it is. And we even have uh, display shelves in most of our showrooms specifically for online order pickup. They can walk in find the bag with their name on it, pick up their part, walk out the door, not have to have any personal contact with somebody if they so choose that. Uh, we do have, the stores are still open, and if a customer wants to come in and do normal business, we're more than glad to have them. That's still a very big part of our business, but the fact that we can offer them the contactless transaction has been a huge help for many of our customers. And in addition to the parts, I understand you guys also uh, fulfill a request for bulk oil and diesel exhaust fluid delivery as well. That is correct. Uh, trying to make the portal more useful for our customers. Uh, we've added these features in the last six to eight months. Uh, customers that already have bulk oil from us, they're able to go on, once again, 24-7, 365, because we all know uh, it never happens during a normal yeah. hour when the farmer runs out of oil. He's always servicing his equipment after hours or on the weekends, and he's like, oh, I'm out of oil. Uh, this way they don't have to try to make a mental note to, i got to remember to call and tell them I need to, to get my oil filled up. They can jump on the app, request bulk oil, and tell us approximately how many gallons they think they might need, and it, it sends us the information and our our dispatch driver lines it up and they reach out to that customer with a delivery time and that's worked out really well for us. And you mentioned being out uh, working on equipment. One of the neat things that you guys have in addition to the John Deere parts catalogs, common equipment, quick reference guides that I understand are growing by the day. Yes. Uh, there's, they don't even have to get into the, the full catalog if they so choose not to uh, works out really well. There's a multiple, quick reference guides now especially they started with the lawnmower business uh, there's a lot of lawnmowers out there and i personally have a zero turn lawnmower and the quick reference guide is great um, you're able to click on it and it shows you all the parts from the filters to the belts to the blades all in two or three simple to find pictures uh, and they're adding to this daily a lot of the newer tractors are on there 
and as time goes on, they continue to add more and more equipment to that list. Uh, customers are able to know their equipment and save those reference files where it's one click to get to it. Uh, saves them a lot of time, makes it pretty convenient. When I tell you, if you run into other things that, that you can't handle on your own, one of the good things that you guys are able to do on hours, off hours, is to uh, allow folks to be able to request service right there from the website so they don't even have to pick up the phone and call. That is correct. Uh, there's a separate tab for that. Customer can simply click on request service. It'll leave a spot for them to mention which piece of equipment they might be working on. They can put comments on there if it might be at a separate farm or at a different tool shed or a different building. Uh, they're able to leave that information. And once again, similar to the bulk oil, it sends the request directly to us and a specific service manager at their specified location can reach out to them, uh, whether it be an email or a text or phone call if that's what they want. Uh, works out really well for people that are at uh, a job during normal business hours and can't necessarily make contact with us when the doors are open. Uh, they can send us the information and we can get it lined up to get someone sent out there and take care of their needs. And if all this wasn't enough to convince you to get on this website here, I understand there's also some web-only specials coming soon. There is. This is a new feature that is being worked on as we speak. Uh, we're trying to make it more feasible for customers to get on there and place specific orders by offering specials that are going to be specific through the website. You wouldn't even know about it when you walk through the front door um, because it's going to be offered only through this site. And so once you do all your ordering, uh, one of the things that you're able to do is keep track of everything that uh, you're ordering and spending here by being able to check out invoices online. Yes, that is correct. Uh, we're able to view all of your parts and service invoices through the app. It's very handy, especially for a farmer or even a, an ag service provider that may have multiple employees or business members picking up items for them or requesting service for them. They're able to go on and look at every transaction, whether it's for parts or for service, and they can click on it, download the PDF, print their own copy if they want, and that saves a lot of time for the people that might be picking the parts up that don't necessarily remember to take a copy with them. Well, we've talked so much about parts and service, but also on the sales end, the app and the website, uh, you, you can do some shopping on there. Great opportunity to check out all the inventory available at AHW. That is correct. If they're looking for a different tractor or maybe a compact utility tractor, a gator, lawnmower, maybe even a combine, uh, all of our used equipment is available to look at through the app as well. So much to offer here in this website and also so much to offer at all these stores here. So again, uh, make sure you go check these guys out, ahwonline.com. And Roy, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here today on Fast Line Fast Track. Great. Thank you for having us and giving us the opportunity to share what we're doing right now. Well, next up on the program, staying with John Deere. They're just one of the many manufacturers pivoting from the in-person fall farm shows they've done for so many years to virtual shows. So we wanted to bring in Laurel Case, the public relations manager for North American Agriculture for John Deere. And Laurel, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Thanks, Brent. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. One of the big disappointments of this fall is that I won't be able to see your smiling face at all the farm shows as we seem to cross paths here uh, at many stops along the way. And this year, it's all being done virtually. 
Yeah, now's about the time that you pack your suitcase for the next few months and go to all those farm shows this fall. So it's definitely looking different this year. So I know John Deere always brings one of the most elaborate setups of all the exhibitors at these shows. Uh, and I know it has to have been a challenge to figure out how to still showcase your products and technology in an effective virtual way and still be able to appeal to the tire kickers out there who look forward to being at those shows in person. Yeah, one of the, the major focuses as we've looked at shows this fall and as they've changed format is how do we continue to engage with the attendees, whether they're there to talk to a product expert from our factory on one of our product lines, or maybe a dealer, or they just wanna see um, some of our new equipment. So we have looked at um, many different ways to continue to engage with them. And some shows, as I'm sure you're aware, have created their own virtual platform that we're engaging with, but we're definitely using a lot more technology to facilitate the conversations to make sure we're still engaging the attendees just as if they were at the show. So when did discussions begin in earnest this year to begin to shift from live shows to virtual shows? Uh, I think they all have had uh, their own timeline and it's actually been a lot more planning on our side as, as um, an exhibitor because when we start planning for a show for this fall, we had to plan both for an in-person show and a virtual show not knowing whether or not it would actually happen in person. But as soon as as soon as soon that decision was made, then we go full virtual, how can we engage with those attendees? But the planning began long ago as we kind of looked into the future that this virtual option may have to be the reality for, for the fall season. So what goes into this from a multimedia and technology standpoint? Because you're having to bring in video crews to highlight equipment and the field demos and everything. Uh, what does that look like? Yeah, we're doing a lot more with technology. Um, we actually have had some examples of this already. We have engaged on a couple of farm shows that have been virtual. We have created some content. We have a lot of content already on our YouTube channel, as well as when we do product launches, we always have videos exhibiting the new product. We've been able to leverage a lot of that, but with some of the farm shows that we have participated in, there were chat functions where um, folks could engage live with some product experts from a factory. And we had some really good um, questions and comments about new product that allowed us the opportunity to engage with the attendees, even though it wasn't in person. What does the coordination look like to pull this off? Because I know there's a lot of people that are probably still working remotely and, and a lot of moving pieces there. It hasn't stopped. I think we're all working just as hard or maybe harder. And um, the, the one good thing here is I can count on getting a hold of most people because they're not traveling. They aren't on the road. They're at home working. And um, it's it's been a pretty big concerted effort as we try to engage with whatever platform that show has chosen to um, disseminate the information, but also being creative in what we can do as John Deere to help further exhibit the products, um, to put folks in touch with dealers. Uh, many of our dealers are doing their own local events to engage with customers in their area or potential customers in their area to demo different products because a customer can't necessarily come to a farm show and see it in person, but dealers are helping to facilitate some of that too so that folks can still come see it in person and be a little more um, safety conscious about it in our current environment. So without giving any spoilers away, what can folks expect from the John Deere virtual experience this fall? 
We are looking to engage folks through um, social media. We're, we're looking at um, the different platforms the shows are using. We're having many of these type of virtual calls with, with media, with attendees. And I think one learning lesson that we've already had and we've seen as we've participated in some farm shows is the more reusable content that one can create from a show, the better. Um, farmers aren't necessarily going to have an opportunity to sit down and listen to something live, but as we know, they're getting ready for harvest. And if there's an opportunity to listen to that content or view that content at a later time, that may um, help engage them in that conversation without having to be so time constrained for them to sit on something live. So we have seen a, um, I guess, a, a learned lesson from some of that is anything that's reusable tends to be a little more effective for catching an audience. Well, you kind of led me into my next question. I was going to ask, what, what is the silver lining in all this for John Deere in terms of being able to engage with an audience and may, maybe do some things that you aren't able to do uh, with folks in person? I, th I think it's given us an opportunity to, to take a step back. There's a lot of things at farm shows where we um, go into those shows and we do what we've always done and we have these conversations but now it's allowing us to be creative and how can we continue to tell the story? How can we engage with customers? We're relying heavily on our, our dealer channel to help us do that and, and working directly with them to offer the, the opportunities to the customers, to the attendees, to still get the message out there, make sure we're answering questions, make sure we're showing off new product, um, but then also making folks available for conversations, whether it's with media or attendees, we're, we're trying to put more and more of our product experts in front of those folks so that they can answer questions directly and, and get those answers straight to the attendees or the person with a question without having to travel. Is there planning going on to carry this out into the winter if there is a need uh, beyond the fall shows? Yeah, we're looking at each show individually as they come up on the calendar. We do know um, there are some shows next year that have already moved to a virtual platform. As you know, Deer has participated in CES the last couple of years. That show has announced that it will go all virtual, and that's the first week of January. So we're into 21 now with um, some virtual planning. I, I think the good news there is that the experiences we have this fall will strengthen whatever uh, opportunities arise next year. and how we may or may not change that strategy. But like I said in the beginning, we're, we're planning for both an in-person and a virtual and trying to remain agile and nimble so that we can change as we progress through this situation. Well, flexibility will definitely be the key there. If folks aren't into the virtual shows and they just want to go out and check out the latest offerings for John Deere, where can they go? They absolutely can go to our website, deer.com, to review the latest um, products and, and product information. We've also got, uh, especially in this kind of a virtual world, I would encourage folks to go to YouTube and look at videos for different products. And then, of course, your local dealer is going to have uh, the most up-to-date product information as well. Well, Laurel, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track. We wish you the best of luck with the shows, and we certainly hope we can catch you down uh, the road here in person. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Well, next up on Fast Line Fast Track is the second installment in a new regular segment called Bushels and Scents. 
From a New Jersey farmer and automotive engineering expert, the hot rod farmer Ray Bohax, who's also a successful podcaster and contributor to many publications, including Successful Farming and Farm Machinery Digest. Welcome to Bushels and Cents, a weekly podcast from the Farm Machinery Digest. I am your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer. And never forget, it is not what you make, but what you keep that counts. During the first day of wheat harvest, your combine goes into limp mode and will only crawl. You call a dealer and they send a technician out. He reads the code and says that it is turbo overspeed. He changes the speed sensor. Same problem. Changes the ECU. Same problem. A few days later, you notice a dirty ground. You clean it and all is fine. The repair bill is $4,000 and none of the parts were needed. If a simple ground circuit voltage drop test was performed, it would have been fixed for free. Instead, it cost you the value of 1,143 bushels of corn. Agriculture runs on machinery, profits, and reliability. Visit FarmMachineryDigest.com where steel and soil meet. Well, next up this week on Fast Line Fast Track, last week we heard from Corn Warriors Season 4 competitor Eric Reed about his farming operation and his goals for this season. This week, in the second part of our interview, Eric discusses his desire for a spirit of openness in agriculture and the need to help young farmers find their footing. He starts out by discussing the secretive nature of many farmers and the need for greater collaboration and cooperation for the greater good of agriculture. I mean, and that's, here's what's funny about it, Brent. I could give you my playbook, and you wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I could your playbook, and I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. That's the thing. There might be one little thing in there that I can take and use. Yeah. Yeah. And, here, I mean, here's the thing, Brent. Is I've been farming since 2007 full-time on my own. Mm-hmm. I worked for a guy for 15 years, mm-hmm. and he bankrupted. And when he bankrupt, I took over the land hmm. and went out and bought my equipment, whatever. And I have never went and taken a crop loan out. Yeah. I've always farmed off of what money I have made. You know, and it that ain't easy. Eric also talked about a need for common sense fiscal responsibility to see farmers through tough times in the business. Everybody knows how to run a damn eight pen sit down, run the math on it. Run the math on your operation. Run the math on every chemical that you're going to apply. You know, cost per acre, return on investment. I'm huge on return on investment. I want to know the ROI. You know, two to one is great. It's paying for itself. I want a three to one. That's when you're making money. If You run that ink pen, and it doesn't work on paper. Do not go out here and try to do it because it's not going to work. No way, no fashion, no how. I don't care how hard you try. It will not work if it don't work on paper. That's huge, Brent. I mean, I don't care how hard you try. You can go out here, you can get in your tractor, and you can go out there, and you can bust your rear end to try to make it work. But I promise you, I promise you that it's not going to work. Yeah. No way, no how. And if it don't work on paper, it's going to break your butt. Yeah. Period. 
And I had an old timer tell me that years ago. And I thought, man, you're crazy. But now that I'm a little bit older, there's a lot of truth in that right there. A lot of truth. And, you know, that's one of the things that we do. We, we, we run the math on it before we even go out here and try it. You know, if we know it'll work on paper, then we know it's got a pretty good shot of working. Yeah. And that's the kind of things that keep you in business. You know, I want to be able to pay my bills and play again next year. I don't want to break my family. Okay? I don't want my family to suffer because I've been ignorant and sloppy. Eric also talked about the pressures of trying to help run the family's cotton gin while maintaining his crops. You know, the gin runs four months out of the year, basically. Uh-huh. Uh, and like I said, family-owned, family-operated. It runs 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We shut down 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes at night to sweep and clean up and change shifts. Uh, we, we run two 12-hour shifts. And... You know, we may be in the field picking corn or picking cotton all day, and then I'll come home, get a shower, lay down, and then 1 o'clock in the morning, the phone may ring. You know, something may be broke over the gym. So get up, go over there, spend the rest of the night, leave from there, and go back to the field the next day. And this may happen two or three days in a row, and then it may not happen. You know, you don't ever know. But when it does happen, I tell people all the time, <laughs> When the phone rings in the middle of the night during June season, I don't even answer it. I just go to put my pants on because I know I got to go out the door. And uh, we, you have to get it back up and running because the light bill over is $56,000 a month just for the light bill. And then you got a $30,000 propane bill a month. I tell people all the time, they don't, send that light bill in the mail. They bring it in the damn truck. <laughs> but that's that's why, you know, when it's down you got to get it back up and going. He also talked about the importance of family togetherness on the farm. It's great to have a family like we've got, we're all real close and and pitch in and get things done and my wife helps a whole lot on the farm. I mean, she keeps the truck smooth. I mean she does run equipment for me. Uh, when she's not working at the gin. She's the finance manager for the gin, my farm, her farm, her brother's farm, and then her mom and dad's farm. There's there's that many operations right here uh, under three roofs. Uh, you got my farm, then you got my brother-in-law's farm next door, and then you got the gin. But that, that keeps her busy. Keep, I tell people all the time, she's the one that keeps us out of jail. <laughs> keeps all the bills paid. <laughs> <laughs> Eric also talked about how the Corn Warriors TV show has breathed new life into his operation and kept his perspective fresh and also has a message for young farmers out there as well. Well, this, this Corn Warriors TV show has been a blessing to me. Yeah. But I can't say it enough. It's, it's just, it's given me the extra push. Uh-huh. You know, to, to want to get my butt in gear and get with it. Quit being the same old guy. And uh, unless the farmers were creatures of habit, mm-hmm. 
we want to do it this way because that's the way my daddy done it, my granddaddy died, 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 died. That's not what I want to hear. That gets you. That gets you in a rut, and you know what a rut is? It's a grave with the ends kicked out. <laughs> True enough. Don't don't have that mentality. Yeah. Don't, don't have that mentality. I mean, I talked to several farmers. You know that their that their daddies are still around, and you walk up to them and you say, "Hey, brother, what, what, who's running this show?" Well, daddy is. <laughs> well, is daddy still writing the checks? You know. You need to get your butt in gear and adapt this new technology and do better. I had a guy, I, I'm this is funny, Brent. Listen to this. I got a letter in the mail back in the winter. It was post. It was postmarked from Arkansas. And I thought, oh hell, what have I done? <laughs> Opened it up, and it was from a farmer huh. in Arkansas. And this is before this was before I was announced that I was gonna be on Corn Warriors. Hmm. He sent me a typed up letter saying, Hey, I'm I'm such and such from Arkansas, I farm eight thousand acres, da 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 da. I really would like to sit down and talk to you and, and get your help. Wow. Okay. He sent me a phone number. And I thought, I'm gonna call this number to see what's going on here. Well, I call this guy, and I could tell right away that he was an older guy. And uh, I thought, man, this guy, there ain't no way I'm going to break him. Because you got to break him before you can go to work with him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, for it's sure. It's kind of like you're going to a drug addict. You've got to make him hit rock bottom before you can <laughs> get him sobered up. And... Uh, He's like, well, can you tell me the tricks? And I said, yeah, I'll be glad to share them with you. You know, I said, the first thing you got to do is slow your planter down. Oh, I can't do that. I've got, I've got 3,000 acres to plant, and I, I mean, I've got five planters. I said, okay, well, what did you just say? He said, I got 3,000 acres of corn to plant with five planters. I said, well, how wide are your planters? He said, 40 foot. <laughs> Okay, at the least, that planter's planting 150 acres a day. And you got five planters. I said, I'm not real smart, but it's going to take four days to plant your crop. <laughs> so why can't you slow them down? And when I said that, it was like hearing a pin drop. All I heard was crickets. And, uh, I, I I still I hear from him on and off. He calls on and off, and he keeps saying he's gonna come or whatever. But you know that that's that's the mentality that I'm saying. You know these older generation, they're not gonna break from their habits. Yeah, they're not gonna do it, even though they know the right answer. Just like I showed you, I mean the math doesn't lie. It was gonna take four days planting his corn crop. And I showed him, and he knew that, and he understood that, but he wasn't going to break that habit. Mm. Yeah. And it takes younger generation. That's the ones you're going to get through to. Yeah. That's the ones I want to relate to me. Well, if you want to follow Eric and the rest of the Corn Warriors Season 4 competitors, look for them beginning in September on RFD TV and Carbon TV, as well as Amazon Prime. You can also sign up for a Yellow Gold membership for early access to content and special features on the Corn Warriors website at cornwarriorstv.com.
Well, next up on the show, it's our honor to bring in legendary Grammy Award-winning country music singer-songwriter John Barry, who's been as busy as ever the past few months with a children's project, a new podcast, and some new music that we can't wait to tell you about. John, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Good to be with you. Man, well, I tell you what, we, uh, we, we've been looking forward to this one for a long time here, and... Uh, uh, well, I tell you what, you started out this year strong here, uh, your 70th appearance on the Grand Ole Opry. And since then, a whole lot has sure changed wow. here. But you've been using this time over the past four months or so uh, to make the rounds here on a lot of live stream shows like this and really uh, promote some great new projects. Yeah, we've had it. We've, we've been busy. There's no doubt about that. We have, we have uh, uh, not been letting any grass grow under our feet, as they say. <laughs> well, and I think that's so important. Uh, you, you know, uh, things can't stop here and and you've got music to promote and, and a career to uh, keep moving forward and and the first thing that i wanted to talk about tonight uh you've got a new project out songs and stories for kids with papa bear and would you tell stories and sing songs to young viewers uh, via your youtube uh, channel and also the facebook page i'm going to share a little clip of that because uh, i find this fascinating and, and give folks just a little taste of what we're talking about here it's been a while since i've been able to see some of my friends lately I have a lot of friends from a lot of different places, and some of them are very different than me. I bet you have friends at school that are different than you, too. And that's one of the things that makes our friendship so special. We can each bring different ideas, traditions, and beliefs, and we can learn a lot from each other. One thing I found out about my friends is that we have more in common with each other than we are different. And when we work together, we can accomplish just about anything. I have a story I want to read to you today called One Big Heart, a celebration of being more alike than different. In one itty bitty corner of our great big world is our teeny tiny classroom filled with happy boys and girls. Each one of us is different because what fun would it be if I looked like my classmates and they all looked like me? I have a song I want to sing for you about coming together to help each other. It is amazing what we can accomplish when we all come together. When we all come together, that's how we weather the sorrow. And it's got me feeling hopeful, it's gonna be the brighter tomorrow. Well, I tell you what, as a father of three little ones, I'm excited to see this project here because it takes me back to the days of childhood when the uh, great storyteller Tom T. Hall used stories and music to be able to connect with kids. What inspired you to do that? Well, my wife and I have got our first grandbaby that was just born. Excellent. And, Congratulations. Uh, she's, three, she's three months old now, little Olivia. And uh, they live out in East Texas. And my son, Sean, he said, Daddy, he said, you ought to... Uh, do some little videotapes, reading some stories and send them out here to us. And as she grows, we can play videos for her of you singing songs and, and reading stories to her. And uh, since we don't get to be with them much and, and, uh, and it just turned into an idea. Uh, uh, they used to call on Sean's football team. They used to call him Shawnee bear. And they used to, they used to, you know, bear B E R R instead of B E A R, you know, and, uh, and, we got talking about that, and they so they started calling me Papa Bear, and uh, and so we just ended up using that whole moniker for the for the character for the for the story, and and uh, and I've had little kids come up and call me Papa Bear. People, <laughs> people that see it. me, they they watch the shows, and and uh, we have a wonderful group of folks that 
uh, each week. Um, we, we, we have a, a handful of viewers that watch the show every Sunday. Uh, it comes on every Sunday evening at 6 p.m. on it, it, uh, my Facebook page, which is uh, John Berry Music, Facebook John Berry, at John Berry Music. And um, they, uh, but then by the end of the week, we've, we end up having around, you know, 15 to 25,000 viewers by the end of the week. So it's been a lot of fun. And we, I think, I'm not sure exactly how many we've hit, but uh, over the course of the show, the number of views that we've had are, are pretty extraordinary. I, I was quite surprised. Last count, I saw it's over 100,000. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that they're, they're, it's not a monetary thing. There's no money in it, but it's one of those things that's important to do just to do for people, you know? And uh, you, you can't always do things because it benefits you. You can't always do things because there's financial gain. You can't always do things because it increases your fame. You just have to do things because it's just the right thing to do. So, so it's been a lot of fun. We've enjoyed it, and and uh, it's been it's been fun to see the the children respond to it. Well, not only was it a blessing to your granddaughter and uh, to, to a lot of the other kids around the country and around the world, uh, one of the cool things that happened along the way with this is that it was included in programming at Seacrest Studios at the Monroe Carroll Jr. Children's Hospital at Vanderbilt University. And the backstory here, for, for those who are unfamiliar, there are 10 Seacrest Studio hospitals uh, at, at children's hospitals uh, around the country, courtesy of the Ryan Seacrest Foundation and, you know, top level broadcast equipment. And they do kind of a closed circuit uh, broadcasting to uh, people in the hospital and to adjacent Ronald McDonald houses and so forth. So uh, to be a blessing to those kids has got to be pretty special as well. I'm really hoping that I'll, I'll uh, have that opportunity to go, to go. Uh, to the hospitals and, and visit and and go as Papa Bear and take my collection of Zonder books and go and read to the children and take a guitar and sing them some songs. It'd be a lot of fun. Well, I tell you what, this wasn't your first crack at, at hosting. You also did the uh, uh, the show on Heartland Television, uh, you know, Songs and Stories with John Barry, and you had uh, a bunch of great guests on there, Exile and Rhonda Vincent and, and Pam Tillis and Daryl Worley, Tracy Lawrence has been on that show and... Uh, and uh, also Steve Dorf. So uh, uh, you look like, and I watched some of those clips as I was preparing for this, and you look really comfortable in that position. Well, I'm a good actor then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually quite uncomfortable in the position of host. And uh, uh, I, I guess because I, I don't, I'm not really good at doing my homework. And, and you got to do homework when you're interviewing people. We, we uh, as I found out, we, we have ventured off into, which we've, we're going to talk about our podcast and, and, uh, and, and my wife is like, you've got to read up, you've got to read up, you know? So, and uh, I said, I don't have to read up. You've, you've done the reading. I'll just sort of keep things moving along. <laughs> but she's really good at it. But she's, she has taught me, my wife, Robin is, is she's a, uh, I, I have to say she's a perfectionist for the, all the good, all the best reasons. But, um, uh, we, we've had a great opportunity to, to do that, to, to interview people and, and and it's still I'm just not that comfortable doing it. I, I'm more comfortable on this side of it than on your side of it. And you were talking about the podcast here. That's a perfect segue into that. You know, faith, family, and friends is is the working title of that with with your wife Robin. And you're going to talk to fellow musicians, entertainers, sports figures, and politicians. Where did the whole idea of that come about? Well, it's it's um, it really came about when all of this COVID stuff started. We Robin and I had been talking about wanting to do something really together. I mean, she's been singing in my band for years. I mean, 
gosh, for, for a long, long time. And she's been very instrumental in helping me select songs that I record. And, and I, she'll listen to it. She'll listen to these songs and, and she'll say, what do you think about such and such song? And I'll go, ah, I don't really quite get that. And she goes, ah, you need to take a second and listen to that. <laughs> it's a good one. She said, it fits your voice really well. And, and nine out of 10 times, she's correct. Okay, 10 out of 10 times, she's correct. And, uh, <laughs> there we go. But, and, and she's been singing with me on stage and, and she's a wonderful backup singer. She can harmonize with anybody. And she just has that gift of being able to harmonize. And, um, but we've never done anything where it's, we're equal partners on, a, 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 you know, because, you know, I go do these shows and it's ladies and gentlemen, please welcome John Barry, you know, and, but that's not what this show is. This podcast is, it's, it's Rob, it's John and Robin Barry talking about things that matter and, and, and things that we're working on and things we want to do. And, and then, then, and, and how our, uh, how our friends have been involved in, in, in our lives, how our family has been involved in our business and, and the ongoing, uh, uh, driving this train down the road, you know, and then how our faith has played into all aspects of our lives. And mm -hmm. so it's been a lot of fun to be able to talk to other people about that. And, and, um, we, we have, we've like, we've, we've uh, had a great opportunity to talk to several different people, um, uh, putting these podcasts together and a couple of them that are quite notable, uh, to me, uh, coach Vince Dooley from the university of Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, I, I lived most of my life in Athens, Georgia, go dogs. And, uh, and we, uh, just have a, uh, I have a real admiration for coach and, uh, he's, he's been, been there in Athens for many, many years. And coach was the head coach at university of Georgia for a very long time. And, um, uh, and we've run into each other a few times and, and, and his wife, Barbara is, uh, they are just true partners in life. And, and she's a real talker now. She and, and Vince is a little quieter, and and so I was kind of apprehensive about our podcast. That would Barbara drive the train on the whole thing, or would Vince really uh, chime in and talk from time to time? And and uh, and my wife, of course, is on the podcast with us, and and they were just chatting away and stuff. And then Vince really got so on a roll and stuff, and he was just so funny, and just really carried on a, a lot of the conversation with us, and. It was awesome. I, I think it's one of the best conversations we've ever had together and, and just how their family operated with him being a, a, a very, very busy man uh, driving that football team and that football program and um, and how Barbara helped him and assisted him and how their family played into the whole thing. It was just a, a wonderful conversation. And then uh, on the other hand, I had a, a conversation that ended up being um, the uh, – Sadly, his last interview, uh, Charlie Daniels, uh, mm. we interviewed him on Wednesday and that following weekend, he, he passed away. Mm. And uh, Charlie and I were, uh, were friends. Uh, we were, I was managed by his management, management company many years ago when I first came to town for about five or six years. And uh, I really consider everybody in that log cabin to be uh, friends, even though we don't work together anymore. And, and, uh, but Charlie has always been very, very kind and he was so gracious and it was just such a wonderful interview and it wasn't an interview. It was a, it was a wonderful conversation. And, uh, right near the end of that conversation, my wife, she said, Mr. Charlie, before we get off the phone, could you, could you tell us when, when this life is over and you're in heaven with Jesus, how do you want people here on earth to, to, to remember you mm. just out of the blue? She asked those questions and it was the sweetest thing. And, 
And uh, it's going to be the second or third podcast on Faith, Family, and Friends. So you can dial in and, and, uh, and find out what Charlie had to say. <laughs> if he didn't do a good enough job selling it right there, I don't know uh, what would sell it because that's uh, I, I'm ready to give it a listen. You tell me that that's going to start in uh, September. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure the date. I don't know if it's the first September 1st. I'm not sure exactly, but it'll be early September. People can uh, go to johnberry.com or to John Barry Music, face, you know, Facebook, John Barry Music, and we'll have information up there um, with the announcements of exactly when the start date's going to be. And it's a subscription-based podcast, and it's it's just part of our Faith, Family, and Friends program that we're doing. And um, it, there's there's three different levels of the, of the uh, Faith, Family, and Friends that you can find out more about and you can just do the podcast subscription or you can do where it includes meet and greets at, at pre which is the what we call the faith family and friends live events which are we we have about an hour get together a 45 minute get together before the concerts with our faith family and friends members and and uh it's just a lot of cool stuff that we're doing. We're real excited about it. Well, I tell you what, in addition to these projects, you've also got uh, some new music projects out there. And one of them, uh, you're part of a single with the uh, group uh, Joe and Martina, uh, which are kind of burning up the charts right now. And they've got a new single out, Give Me Back to 90s, uh, which uh, just this week moved up two spots to number four on the CDX True Indie Top 20 countdown. How neat That's has that awesome. been to see the success of that song? Yeah, that was a, it was what a treat it was to be invited by Joe and Martina. I got to know them through our son, Kalen. Kalen plays drums for us, and he plays for a lot of people around town here in Nashville and and uh, does a lot of session work. And And he's gotten to know Joe and Martina, uh, and um, and through them, I got to know them. And, and he called up and said, hey, Dad, they, they want to know if you'd come and sing on the song they've got. And I said, sure, I, I'd, I'd love to. I love Joe and Martina. I love the music they're doing. And, have him send me a copy of it and have Joe call me. And so he did, and they got me the copy. And, and he said, we want you to sing on the last chorus. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I said, all the choruses the same. He said, yeah, all the choruses are the same. And, and uh, so I listened to the first chorus and I learned it. And, and uh, I just kept repeating that course over and over. And then when I was driving over to their house, so they've got a studio in their home and Joe's a great engineer as well as a songwriter. And uh, I said, well, I'm going to listen to the whole song down. And just to familiarize familiarize myself with it, and and so I'm listening to the song, and and it gets to the last chorus, and there's a line where he, where Joe sings, uh, you know, give me back the '90s, you know. They bring up my name because you know every other chorus they've been talking about different artists, uh -huh. and and then the very last one he said, and a John Barry song, and I'm like, did he say my name? <laughs> and I rewound it, listened to it, and I said, well, daggone, he put my name in there. <laughs> So I had I had no I've been listening to that first course for about three weeks and I never got into the song. I, I just trying to focus on what I had to learn, you know. And so I, I, I pulled up in their driveway and I'm sitting there listening to it. And I'm like, I can't believe it put me in the song. So I went in and they, they, they figured I knew, but I, I really didn't know. And it was kind of exciting. It was pretty cool. I was I was really honored. Another neat project you've got out there, and this one's near and dear to my heart because I have a daughter who is a senior this year in high school. Uh, you've got a song, the graduation song, uh, which you wrote during your senior year of high school, going back to 1977. What was it like to bring that song to life after all these years? Isn't that crazy? I mean, that, that was, what, was it 43 years ago or something like that? Yep. More than that? I don't, I don't know exactly. Um, but yeah, that I wrote it my senior year of high school and and uh, I really didn't play it. You know, folks, uh, did you write that for your graduation ceremony at school? And, 
and, and I don't think anybody in my high school wanted to really listen to me sing. And uh, it's just one I, you know, it was just one of those evenings I was reflecting back on my, my school days and times with my friends who meant so much to me. And, and this kind of, this little song just sort of spilled out. And I ended up recording it on a record uh, a couple of years later. And, and we may have cut it on another record, Saddle the Wind at some point, I, I can't, maybe 1995 or something. And, um, but really hadn't done anything with it. I, I, I've been invited to sing um, and speak at a couple of high school graduations over the years and, and, and do that song. And, and really honored that, that the song had that kind of life to it. And, and so my son, Kalen, he said, Dad, he said, with this COVID thing, I bet you high school graduations are going to get canceled. And I said, no, there's no way. No way. <laughs> he said, I'm telling you. He said, listen to me now. He said, we ought to go back and re-record that old song of yours. He said, people like that song. It means a lot to people. And we ought to go back and re-record it. And um, I said, well, it's hard to get a studio to, 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 to work in right now. He said, oh, no. He said, all the guys in our band have got setups at home. He said, I'll... He said, you and I can do a guitar with a scratch vocal and, and I, we can put a drum track down and we'll send that to our bass player, Michael, and Mike can put a bass part on it at his house. And then they can send it to us and we can do a quick mix and send it to the other guys and get piano and guitars. And, and that's what we did. So everybody did their tracks just like this at home, you know, and, and uh, kind of uh, ma mailed it in, so to speak. They emailed us their tracks and we built it together and and it came out quite nice. My wife, Robin, and I did the background vocals here at home, and, as well as my vocals lead. And then uh, a friend of ours uh, put the video together. Uh, we had folks online uh, contribute photos of themselves or their children that were graduating seniors and from college or high school. And, um, and we put all these pictures together. And the local high school here in Gallatin, Tennessee, that's just outside of Nashville where we live, uh, they they allowed us to come into the school and walk the halls and get some pictures and video and and just some good all round high school scenes. You know what I'm talking about? Gymnasium shots, hallway down the down the hall, locker room shots, library, cafeteria, all those places that you know were part of our day to day lives when we were you know 13 to 17, 18 years old, and uh, bring back. For me, it brings back a lot of really good memories. Well, before we go any further, let's hear this one from John Barry. This is the graduation song of Fast Line Fast Track. To all the times in PE, to all the parties that we threw, to driving the teachers crazy, but now it's nothing new. All the times we came in late and they never said a word And to all the world religions that we learned in history class To all the great musicians that lived in the past To all the world's great artists from Da Vinci to Saray It's time for me Go my way
so very much We talked of everything right to the first hearts we ever touched To all the things we've ever done, though they be good or bad Now the time has come for you to go your way and I'll go mine But through the years you'll always be somewhere on my mind Always thought we'd be here forever and a day But forever You came yesterday And I went goodbye through the window to my old friends And I went goodbye through the window Cause I know that I won't see you again What a special song that is, the the imagery of, of waving through the window there. And I imagine there's probably not too many songs that have name-checked Saray over the years. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. Yeah, <laughs> There's one, one quick video uh, clip that goes by where I'm standing in front of a wall, and um, I, I can't remember exactly what I was on the wall, but uh, across the top it says, uh, what often seems like the end is really only just the beginning. Yeah. And I love that. And they said that what they do every year is they have um, each the seniors come and get their picture made in front of that wall every year. And uh, sometime during the latter part of the year, I thought that was really cool. And but I love that. What often seems like to the end is often just the beginning. What do you remember about as you were checking out there, graduating and getting ready to head into the world uh, about your own hopes and aspirations? Well, I just, you know, I, I uh, had a good group of friends in high school that we were all pretty close and uh, we had a lot of fun together and and, uh, and enjoyed our school days together. And and uh, when it was coming to a close, I, it, it really hit me hard because I knew that these guys, a lot of them were taken off in a lot of different directions and I was not going to be involved in their lives anymore. And that's, that's really how that song came about because a lot of them were going uh, pretty good distances off to college and uh, and, and military, different things that they were going to be doing. And, and I knew I wasn't going to be uh, uh, close to them like we had been for so many years there through, during school days. And, uh, but I, I really enjoyed uh, most of my school. I, I had a, I really fond memories of it. And uh, uh, it, a good, it, was a, it was a good place to be. Well, in the time since you graduated there, uh, there's been a lot of prayer and a lot of perseverance that's led you where you are now. You signed your first record deal 27 years ago, and in that time, uh, since then, you put out 20 singles, 
that were on the country hit parade charts with one number one and six top fives. You earned numerous platinum and gold records and won a Grammy for your part in Amazing Grace, a country salute to gospel volume one, as well as another Grammy nod for your love amazes me, which we'll talk about later. And we'd be here all day if I sat here and rattled off all these accomplishments. But when you reflect on your career to this point, what is it uh, that uh, is it what that 17 year old kid coming out of Athens, Georgia had hoped for? Well, um, you know, when you're a kid and you're dreaming about, you know, big successes and stuff you're uh, I don't know if you're always have your head screwed on right about exactly what it's going to be like. And, and uh, but it, it has been a lot of fun and, and it has been a lot of work and uh, it takes um it takes a great deal of commitment and uh, the, the dream changes and uh, you just have to really just stay in there and stay at it. And, and you decide this, this is my path. This is what I'm supposed to do. And all the things you do contribute to each other and help drive it down the road and keep the, keep the train on the tracks and keep it moving. And, and sometimes you're doing things. It's like, why am I doing this? Why should I do this? What's what's the point? It's, it's just the, it's the things that all add up to help put fuel in the tank to keep it going. And uh, but it, it can uh, I, I think the, um, the one, one thing that that I tell young artists that ask me if there's one piece of advice that I can give them. Uh, and, and it's really true for just about any any business. But uh, for this particular business is. Uh, it, it's going to come to a close. It's going to end. Um, you, you can have top 10 number one singles and sell, you know, 8 million records and all that kind of stuff. And it's going to change. It's going to, it's going to drop off. It's, it, it's, you're not going to ride that level, that crest of a wave forever. Now, there are a few artists who have ridden it a really long time and they've been able to maintain that level of success for a long, long periods of time. And I'm very glad for them and very happy for them. That's a difficult thing to do. Um, it takes a lot of teamwork, a lot of effort and a lot of finances to make that sort of thing happen. But uh, for most artists, uh, it, it, there's, there's a season and that season, uh, you just need to make the most of it, be smart financially and know that at some point, you know, it's gonna come to a close. And you have to know what you're going to do, and uh, and and where you're going to go from that point, and uh, and you know might might morph into uh, doing children's work, or you know <laughs> who knows what it might end up being. And um, but but there are always opportunities to give the, to use the gift that God's given to you, the gift of music, and um, and and whether you're getting Grammy awards or granny hugs, you know. It doesn't matter, you know, just it's just you have an opportunity to use the gift you have to enrich other people's lives. And if you can do that, well, sometime, some way at the same time, make a living and provide for your family. There's nothing better. When I tell you what, you've continued to consistently put out just stunning music, just great stuff. And I, I, I kind of look back a couple of years ago, 2018. Uh, was a big year for you. June 16th of that year, uh, the mayor of Athens, Georgia, presented you an official proclamation announcing it. John Barry Day in in Athens, and you got a key to the city. Did you ever imagine that happening as you were uh, making your way to Nashville to to start this career? 
Well, it's funny. I've gotten the key to the city of Athens, Georgia, two, two times. Any of them work? No, they keep changing the locks. <laughs> but uh, but when I when I my first album came out on Capitol Records, uh, they celebrated, had a, a, a little a little ceremony, and gave me the key to the city, and uh, and then this next time, uh, it, it had been twenty. I think it was twenty five years since I had played a club in Athens. I'd played theaters, uh, mm -hmm. you know, over the years since I had left playing the clubs. I come back and played at the Classic Center and some other things, but we had decided to go back and play this club uh, called the Foundry, and a um, uh, really cool, cool venue, a little 250 seat room, and uh, just a lot of fun. And we went back, and it was just a doggone amazing night. We had so much fun, and we played songs we hadn't played in 25 years. You know, some of those clubs like Volcano and and. Uh, 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 oh, they have brown eyed girl, you know, there's a lot of these club songs that we used to play back in the day. And, and, uh, and some, I had, I saw some folks I hadn't seen for 25 years. Come well, out. Was, well, I was going to ask, we talk about the graduation song. Did any of those folks turn out to, uh, to check you out then? Oh, you, you bet. That's awesome. <laughs> we, we had a few folks, uh, there that I went to high school with that I, I didn't, I didn't grow up. I didn't, uh, I was, I was 24 years old when I moved to Athens but I moved from Atlanta, Georgia, which was not too far away. And we had people drive up to come see us in Athens. And uh, uh, that was a big club for us. So the, the club the club scene in Athens was pretty tremendous. There's a huge music scene in Athens, Georgia. And, and, uh, and I was just really glad to have a, a part in that over the years. And um, we played clubs for eight years in town. So we, we saw a lot of, we saw a lot of students come as freshmen, go to university of Georgia and, and four years later, see him graduate. So we saw a lot of classes come and go. And uh, I, sh I should have a doctorate by now. <laughs> I played there so long. But it was a, really work on that. that was a special night. Well, later in the year, you released the Thomas Road album, which was a nod to uh, where you did grow up there in, in Decatur. And uh, you uh, had a lot of success with that, including the song that I'd love for you to play for us now, The Richest Man. Oh, sure. Yeah. Thomas Road was just a... Um, a great little street in Decatur, Georgia, just a little suburb town on the east side of Atlanta. And uh, I grew up there with my uh, my mom and dad and my brother and my sister. And and uh, But on Thomas Road, I had three buddies, Brian, Sam, and Jeff, and the four of us. Oh, sorry, my dog just came in. Uh, he's over here shaking. Uh, but uh, we, we had a lot of fun hanging out together. And that's where I found my love for music and, and uh, learned about learned a lot about uh, loving and caring for people and but this is a song I wrote uh, called the richest man it's about my father and uh, I wrote this with uh, Liz Hingberg, Hingberg Will. and Will Robinson and uh, I had of course I have known the two of them or known of the two of them for many years and their work uh, they've written a lot of hit songs for people but it was the first time I'd actually met the the two of them and they were asking a lot of questions about me and my life and trying to you know be sure we might write something that was right for me to record and and we ended up writing this song about my dad it's called the richest man i ever knew Yacht he loved to show off 
And the whole wide world at his beck and call Yeah, I knew a man thought he had it all But the richest man I ever knew Made a living with his hands Wore a $13 pair of boots Sporting the farmer's tan beautiful and poignant song thank you so much for sharing that with us thank you well i'll tell you what so uh, when we come out of 2018 you're riding high from all that and then you get into early 2019 and you go in for an exam for uh, what you thought was a tonsil infection and you're hit with something unexpected a diagnosis of throat cancer and 35 chemo and radiation treatments and last august you announced that by the grace of god you were cancer free what was that whole experience like? And I know there's a lot of people that want to know, uh, how are you doing now? Well, I'm doing really well, but the experience, um, uh, it was tough. Uh, but uh, God uses tough experiences to draw us to him. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, they, they're, they're, he, he wants to use the good experiences to draw us to him, draw us to him as well. You yes, know, sir. but a lot of times people don't do that. A lot of times people, they have good things happen in life, and they just, wow, this is great, you know, and off they go. And uh, But then when tough times come, 
they're 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 reaching out for God to help them, and uh, and I understand in God and God and He's right there. He's faithful to us and faithful, and so. But I try to glorify God in all the things that happen in my life, and and um, and and He wants to He wants whatever experiences we go through in our life to draw us to Him, good and bad, and. Uh, um, because things happen in our lives, things happen in everybody's life, and and uh, but uh, but there's those experiences, just how we handle them, you know. Yeah. And, uh, but I tell you, it was uh, cancer was tough, uh, and and cancer is uh, um, that's a wicked disease. The treatment for it's not much better. <laughs> uh, treatment's tough. Uh, radiation is draining. Um, like you said, I had, I had you know, 35, 38 treatments for radiation, something like that. And, uh, five days a week, every day, every day of the week for seven, eight weeks, I had to go and, uh, didn't take a long time to do it, uh, but man, just wiped me out and Monday through Friday. And then every, uh, and then for every win, I think it's every Wednesday I had, uh, uh, chemotherapy, uh, chemo is the worst thing on the planet. I'm I can't imagine anything worse than that. Uh, that the effects of the chemo they're basically using this poison to kill the cancer cells and it's your body trying to rid itself of the poison and it's 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 horrendous it's horrendous it's a uh, you hear about people the chemo makes you sick yeah boy it it makes you sick all right mm. and uh but it, it's amazing that, you know, here I am uh, a year and a half out uh, from treatments. Um, what they're looking for, I mean, they haven't seen anything come re reoccurring. Uh, they're after that five-year mark. That's that's the goal. They're looking for that five-year mark. And I'm about a year and a half out from the last treatments. And um, But so far, so good. Everything looks great. Now, one of the things the doctor did tell me, he said, he said, listen, don't don't lay awake at night worrying about this returning. He said, he said, we caught this so early. He said, at your stage of the game, when we found you, he said, we have one guy in all the years we've been doing this that we've seen it return. So mm -hmm. he said, don't lay awake at night worrying about that. He said, go live your life and, uh, and just go out there and, and, and enjoy the days you have. He said, you got a lot of life in ahead of you and, and this isn't going to be a, a factor. So, um, so that's been great. And uh, we've just been trying to do everything we can to give God the glory, not, not only for the, the, the life he's given me, but for the, uh, the miracle that he worked through these doctors' hands and through their minds to create the machinery, to create the chemical compounds and all the things that they were able to do that were able to eradicate this cancer out of my body. Now that, to me, is a ding-dang miracle. Yeah. A miracle. Yeah. And, and maybe because they, they do it all the time, they, people don't look at it as a miracle. But you think about a guy who's going to create a machine that's going to, send radiation through your body and, and, and kill these cells. And I can see a guy making a machine that'll, that'll drive you up and down the road and burn some gas, but yeah. something that's going to send radiation waves into your body. You, you, you know how they used to, when they do, they radiate you, they just radiate everything. Mm -hmm. Well, when I had my surgery, when I had my radiation a year and a half ago or almost two years ago, uh, we went in for a checkup and I had a white stripe across my throat. And my wife, she said, I hate to bring this up, but what is that white stripe? She said, it's not an infection in his throat. Is it? I said, oh, no, no. The doctor, he said, we knew John was a singer. So we programmed the radiation waves to go around his vocal cords. Wow. And it left that white stripe because the other skin got burnt. 
the radiation burned it like a leather football. It was really nasty looking. But there was that white stripe right across my vocal cords. And uh, isn't that crazy? Now they've got so much. And just the advances of a year and a half, two years, they can pinpoint almost exactly where the radiation needs to go. They don't even radiate from here to here anymore. They radiate right there. And uh, so it's quite amazing the, 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 the rate it's starting to get better and better with these, these learning hospitals and, you know, Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia, and, and these other places that uh, they just continue to grow and develop new treatments. It's quite remarkable. And that can only be attributed to God. There's no question about that. Yeah. I mean, where else is, you know, that's where talent comes from, you know, whether it's, whether it's the talent to speak on the radio and engage listeners or to sing a song or a talent on how to cure somebody from cancer. Yeah, most definitely. most definitely. I think one of the coolest things that came out of that was the outpouring of love and support that came from the country music community. It was really cool to see how everybody turned out during that time. And I think that was a testament to how you've treated people during your career and just the, the bonds that you've made. Well, it was quite remarkable. I, I have to say that I was honored. Uh, I was uh, actually taken back quite a bit by the response. My uh, my manager, Brian Smith, he, he called me and Robbie said, listen, there's, we're just getting a lot of calls. People are wanting to know what they can do to help. And we said, no, we're, we're okay. We're, we're, we're all right. We're, we'll get through this and financially and otherwise we'll get through it okay. And and he kept coming back saying, he's, he said, man, people are wanting to do something. They want they want to reach out and, and so you know they care. And so they decided, or we decided that they would, we would have an event and, and, um, and we would partner with the Music Health Alliance, which helps musicians, not just musicians, people in the music industry, a way to find help with uh, medical situations or get help with you know, getting through the system of getting health insurance when you're uh, self-employed. Yeah. Because it's tough. It's a tough to 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 navigate through all that is really quite difficult. And uh, Music Health Alliance has been very helpful to our family. Matter of fact, they they helped us get our stuff organized many years ago. And um, so we thought that we would partner with them and put an event together that would benefit them as well. And um, uh, we had so many people come. I I I couldn't believe it. I mean, you know, Vince Gill came and. Uh, it's Shenandoah guys, and I, I wish I could remember everybody. Came Garth and Trisha Yearwood showed up, and and uh, it was a tremendous outpouring. Uh, uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm careful how I talk about it because I'll start crying. <laughs> it, mm -hmm. it was it was really quite a, a overwhelming. It's uh, it's been a beautiful thing to watch it to to watch how you've not only used this. Uh, season of your career, but but also uh, that whole uh, episode to uh, be able to glorify God and to be able to uh, use that as a platform to be able to share your faith, which has become such a big part of a lot of these projects that you're involved in these days. Well, you know it it is, and and uh, because that's why I'm here. And uh, uh, God doesn't need me necessarily to sing. He doesn't need me to. He just needs me to talk about him, you know, just share what he's done for me to other people. Because there's a lot of folks out there that are hurting, a lot of people in need, and and uh, uh, folks need to know they're not alone. And 
basically we serve a God who cares and and that's what matters. And when all is said and done, that's all that matters. Well, I'll tell you what, this has been uh, quite an unusual year for everybody, but you've still got a lot to look forward to in 2020. Last I've seen, uh, the, the, there's still plans in the works for the 24th year, the annual Christmas tour. What's that looking like now? Well, we're hoping for 15 shows. I don't know if we'll get 15. We normally do 23 or 24, um, but we, we, we know we've lost some because of the venues. They're just not going to be able to have the shows. Uh, we're hoping that you know, um, uh, when the uh, we're, we're hoping that the the virus will they'll they'll have some treatments that will start uh, flattening the curve and and uh, really bringing down the the infectious rates and we're hoping that the death rates will cease and uh, you know keep keep those who are ill out of the nursing homes please hello it's not brain surgery I've had brain surgery this isn't it do not send sick people into the nursing homes yeah. I don't know if that, who's thinking, but anyway, um, but hopefully they'll, they'll flatten the infection rate and just completely get rid of the, the death rate. And, uh, um, because it, it, anyway, we're just hoping that that will happen and we'll be able to go out in the latter part of this year and sing songs to celebrate Christ's birth and, and just celebrate being together. And maybe we're going to do it spread out a little bit and uh, yeah. hopefully it will happen and we'll end up hopefully 15 or 18 shows and, and, uh, and uh, whatever we don't get to do this year, we'll do it on our silver anniversary tour next year and go out and really have a big throwdown. And well, here's hoping you can pull that off because I think everybody needs something to uh, uh, to lift those spirits now and and get them in that frame of mind. But anybody who's ready to start getting in that frame of mind now, it's never too early and they can find your song, Do Not Be Afraid on uh, Country Faith Christmas Volume 2, which is distributed exclusively through Cracker Barrel Old Country Stores. Yeah. And uh, that song was also used uh, in the Beautifully Broken movie, uh, which uh, also yielded the song by the same name. Tell us about that movie and that whole project. Well, the movie was produced by Chuck Howard. Uh, Chuck was the guy that produced all the hits that I've had on the radio. Uh, she's taking a shine. Your love amazes me. Kiss me in the car. Stand on the edge of goodbye. Chuck Howard produced all those records. In recent years, Chuck has been making inspirational films, and uh, he he called up and he'd been wanting to find a, a movie that I could be a part of. And he called me up. And he says, "Man, I got the song." He said, "I sent you the movie a few minutes ago." He said, "I'll be home tomorrow and I'll send you a copy of the song." But take a look at the rough cut of the movie and let me know if you think it'd be something you'd want to be a part of. So. I don't know if you've ever seen a, a rough cut of a film or not, but there's no music at all. No music bed, no, no violins, no nothing. Just, just dialogue and film. And I watched this film and uh, my wife's in another room watching TV and I'm in our bedroom watching this on the laptop. And an hour and a half later, I come walking out of, out of the uh, bedroom and where she is and, and I got tears and my, on my face, and she goes, what's wrong? I, all I could do is point to the screen, and she goes, really? And I said, oh, yeah. She said, you need to call Chuck right now. Well, I called Chuck up, and I said, man, you hit a home run with this. I said, I don't know what the song is, but I'll, if you think me singing that song will encourage someone to see this movie, you count me in. And then the next day, I got the email with the song on it. And, oh, my gosh. What a song. Beautifully Broken is just a great piece of music that Real inspirational song, well written, 
and Ginny Lee Slate wrote the song. And do we have time for a little story? Yeah, sure. Ginny Lee Slate lives here in Gallatin, Tennessee. And years ago, in 1991, 92, 1992, it was February of 92, I was driving my truck home from a playing a club in Athens, Georgia, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, listening to WNGC, North Georgia Country, out of Athens. DJ comes on and goes, we got a brand new song from Joe Diffie. And I love Joe Diffie. I reached over and turned the volume up. He's saying, and to those who stand on empty shores and spit against the wind and those who wait forever for ships that don't come in. Man, that song hit me like a freight train. Mm. And I went home and I woke my wife up and I said, Robin, honey, I've dreamed bigger than this. I know we've got a great run playing clubs here in Athens, and making our little records. And we got a little farm out here in the country. But I've dreamed bigger than this. So we sat up all night, came up with a plan to go to Nashville every six weeks for a year and try to get some industry interest. And if after a year we don't have any luck, we'll come back home. We'll do something else. We'll figure out another plan. So we went up uh, uh, May of 92, did our first industry showcase. We sent out 250 invitations. And off that invitation list, one guy shows up, Herky Williams. Herky worked for Jimmy Bowen, who ran Capitol Records. And out of that meeting, I got a private showcase with Jimmy Bowen. And I got a record deal. Mm-hmm. Jump forward. Jump forward all these years. And... I'm recording this song, Beautifully Broken, by Jenny Slate Lee. When Jenny Slate Lee was a little girl, she was in a studio with her with her daddy, who's a producer. His last name is Slate. His first name I, I, it won't come to me. Jim Slate, I think. But, but he produced Joe Diffie. And they're in the studio, and she went to the studio with her dad that day. And she and Joe recorded ships don't don't come in while she's there. Hmm. All those years later, she writes a song that I sing in the movie that gets me on country radio top 30 for the first time in 20 years. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? Tell me I, that ain't God. God God uses people for all sorts of things. And that's a sweet song. And if you've never seen the movie Beautifully Broken, I encourage your listeners and viewers. Go to Amazon Prime. The movie is still available there, Beautifully Broken. It's a true story about three families, a family in Brentwood, Tennessee, and two families in Rwanda, Africa, and how God weaves this tapestry where in different ways they save each other's lives. And my, my matter of fact, I, I was looking at the, uh, the rough, but go back to that rough cut of the movie. I was looking at, and I hadn't heard the song yet. I sent that rough cut to my son's father-in-law out in Texas, who's a dear friend of mine. And I said, Tim, take a look at this. Let me think, let me know what you think of it biblically. I just want to be sure it's on track with our faith, you know. And he calls me back two hours later. He said, it's on track. Do the song, whatever it is, if you like the song. Film's wonderful. He said, but one thing, 
He said that airport scene where they land at the, the Rwanda, Kigali, Rwanda, Africa airport. And I said, yeah. He says, that's where we fly into when we go on our mission trip in July. You want to go? Mm. So we went to Africa two years ago on a mission trip. I got to lead Vacation Bible School music for children in a little school, in the PIFA that's school. Awesome. <laughs> but it was amazing that, you know, all these things that, even to this day, God still weaves tapestries, weaves our lives together in different ways where we interact and are, and are, are focused to him. So it's pretty awesome. I love it. Did, did Joe Diffie ever get to hear that story? I got to tell him that uh, last uh, last time I, I saw him at the opera earlier this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I tell you what, what, uh, what, what do you have uh, on the horizon for the rest of the year? I understand you've got some new music uh, scheduled to come out sometime next year. And uh, well, we talked about the podcast earlier. Yeah. We're working on, uh, of course, the podcast will be getting cranked up in September. Uh, people can go to my website, my Facebook page and, or my website, either one and find out more about faith, family and friends with John and Robin Berry and, and uh, how to subscribe to that. There'll be all that information coming up. And, um, but then we're, we're hoping to get some songs recorded. We, we've, I've got some songs written that we'd love to put out an EP. And, and uh, maybe a, we do have a, a, sometime in the near future, we're going to do a, 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 a regular out, full album of, uh, of faith hymns I've been wanting to do my entire career. I mean, I've only done 32 albums. And I, I don't know why I haven't been able to get a hymns record done, but I haven't. So I've been wanting to do one for a long time because there's, there's some of my favorite songs to sing and, you know, how great thou art and blessed assurance and all those great, great old hymns that, you know, they might have been written, you know, decades and centuries ago, but they're just something quite timeless about those songs. Well, I tell you what, as we get ready to close things out today, uh, I'm going to throw at you the Charlie Daniels question. When, when your time here is done, how do you want people to remember John Barry? Oh, man. Well, first off, that I love the Lord. I love Jesus and was ever grateful for what he did for me on the cross. Second off, that I love my family and that they know how much I love them and get to sing for them. And uh, traveling around this country and, and getting to sing for people has been one of the greatest joys of my life. And, and uh, don't, don't ever regret a minute of getting to do that. Well, I tell you what, uh, hopefully we've got a lot more years with you here because it sounds like you got a lot planned and, and I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see that uh, hymns project coming out here and I can't wait to tune into the podcast because I know that's going to be done first class and it sounds like you've got some amazing guests lined up here. If folks want to follow you, want to know more about what you're doing, where can they go to keep tabs on you? Well, johnberry.com is our website and you can find out lots of information there, probably more than you want to know. Uh, uh, Facebook, all of our socials, all of our social medias are John Barry Music. Uh, Twitter, um, we, we, we tweet every now and then, and, uh, but Twitter and Facebook and uh, Instagram. Instagram and Facebook are the two that we most frequently uh, work on those quite a bit and uh, keep the folks updated with what we're doing. And, uh, the, but the, again, the Faith Family and Friends, uh, it is a podcast, but like I said, the podcast is a small part of the platform. And we, we're really looking forward to developing our, our faith, family, and friends group as we uh, move forward and to get back into live shows. Our, our uh, pre-show meet and greets that it before was referred to as the VIP experience. It'll, be, it will end up, it'll end up being it's going to be the faith, family, and friends live event. Uh, those are so much fun. And it's just a chance to see together. And, and uh, 
you know, we certainly have that artist audience relationship, but we want to be, we have people that have been coming, they come to multiple shows a year and we don't want it just to be an artist to audience member relationship. We want to, we want to have more of a closer friendship with all these folks who enjoy our music. And there's no reason why we can't do that. Mm -hmm. Are you much of a social media guy yourself? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm on all the time. <laughs> uh, what, what, what's your uh, platform of choice? Well, I'm on Facebook all the time. I mean, I'm uh -huh. all, I mean, my phone, I mean, when I look, it's kind of embarrassing when I look at, you know, the numbers of uh, number of hours per day that I, <laughs> I, I use my phone on online and uh, it, it shows you social media and other things. It's, it's a little embarrassing how much time I'm online. <laughs> I know what you speak of. If I, I had a job, I probably wouldn't be online so much. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, the way of the world these days. Well, John, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track Live. It's been uh, an honor and a blessing to spend this time with you. And you're welcome to come back anytime. I'd love to uh, to touch base with you here in, in the future to be able to uh, learn about what's going on here and hear that new music and, and find out how the podcast is going. Well, thank you. I appreciate that very much. And uh, we'll stay in touch. If you want to follow all things John Barry, make sure you check him out at johnberry.com. We want to send a special shout out to our musical sponsor, the Ernest Tubb Record Shop, 417 Broadway in the heart of downtown Nashville, Tennessee. And I hope that when you're in the Nashville area, you'll go and check them out. They have a great selection of vinyl, CDs, and merchandise. And if they don't have it, I know they'll find it for you. They have some new hours, so pay close attention. They'll be closed on Mondays and Tuesdays, and then Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays open 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., and Fridays and Saturdays open 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. So when they're open, stop by and say hi, and tell them you heard it on Fast Line Fast Track. Also want to say a special shout out to our friends over at Farm Life and thank them for their support of Fast Line Fast Track. Please go over and give them a like on Facebook so you can connect with others interested in agriculture and join me over on their page every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern as I join Brandon Deal to talk about the things that are on the minds of farmers. And speaking of things on farmers' minds, harvest season is rapidly approaching in many places across the country. If you're in the market for combines, heads, grain carts, grain dryers, trailers, or anything else, head on over to FastLine.com and check out the equipment locator with the price comparison tool featuring the Iron Average powered by Iron Solutions. That's FastLine.com. While you're on the website, please be sure to sign up for the print catalog for your state or region. No need to head into town to pick one up off the convenience store rack. The Fast Fastline catalog is being delivered directly to your mailbox, and it's still a favorite resource of farmers and ranchers across our great country. And remember to subscribe to the Fastline Fast Track podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, and add our Spotify playlist to your library for all the music from past, current, and upcoming guests of the show. Also, be sure to hit us up on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Well, it's time for us to get on out of here, so until next time, it's Brent Adams saying y'all come back and bring along a friend. You've been listening to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group. To learn more about Fast Line's customer-focused marketing solutions, visit FastLineMediaGroup.com and check out our brand websites, FastLine.com, BigAg.com, and PinkTractor.com. If you have topic suggestions for future podcasts, drop us a line at Brent.Adams at FastLine.com.